When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, welcome back to another episode of Parker's Pensies. This is a podcast where we explore thoughts in philosophy, theology, nature, and life. I love thinking about cool stuff, so come think with me. Today, I have another special guest with me, Mike DeVito. Uh, Mike is a former NFL player. He played with the, the New York Jets and uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, and he played from 2007, I think, to 2016 when he retired. And uh, this is an awesome dude. I'm really excited to, to get into it with him because now he's into philosophy and theology. And so two things you, you don't really expect to go together, uh, an NFL player and a philosopher. And so uh, I'm stoked to, to get into it. So let's just jump right in. Mike, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. Parker, thanks for having me here, brother. I really appreciate it, man. I'll tell you what, I, I would do anything. To get that, to, to be able to pull off that mustache, <laughs> I would do anything. Oh man, you look great, brother. I appreciate that. Well, dude, so my friends at home are probably uh, growing up um, huge, huge sports nerds. Uh, I work for a sports ministry called Athletes in Action. So all my listeners uh, from from those two different groups are going to know you from your your NFL career, and they're going to make fun of me because I found out about you through your philosophy career. Uh, and through through your YouTube channel, uh, Furthering Christendom, which you do uh, with Dr. Tyler McNabb, who's been on the podcast before. And so I, I started looking into you and like, oh, this guy's got some interesting stuff to say. And then saw, oh, he was in the NFL. Oh, snap. And all my friends at home were like, yeah, dude, that's it's Mike DeVito. Like, come on, don't embarrass us here. <laughs> I'm coming at it from a different angle here. I don't know if I if I just hit my head the right way when I was playing and it knocked, knocked something loose, but all of a sudden I was like, geez, I want to study philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So, yeah, but you're right. Talk about two worlds uh, uh, that couldn't seem to be further apart uh, with football and philosophy. Um, yeah. I've been blessed to be a part of both of them. I, I really, like you, I enjoy them both so much. Yeah, man. So uh, I, I listened to some of your, uh, or I listened to your, your testimony from Further in Christendom, and uh, you, you'd mentioned that you became a believer um, and then just started reading books mm. and, and you just had this like appetite for, for books. Was that before your NFL career or during when, when did that take place? Yeah, it was, yeah, no, it was right at the beginning of my NFL career. So it's like God has perfect timing, but I, mm. I became a Christian um, in 2006, literally four months before I left to, to go uh, into the NFL in 2007. Okay. Uh, if you want to get into that story, we can. But yeah, it was it was right away that I I all of a sudden had this uh, interest in reading, obviously the Bible, but theology. I wanted to get deeper into um, the things of God and theological things, and what ended up turning out to be apologetics and philosophy and all that stuff later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I knew that that had to be a God thing because I think prior to me coming to, uh, or me becoming a Christian, um, I think I hadn't read a book front to back in my, in my entire life. I mean, that's mm-hmm. something about the state education system, maybe, that you can make <laughs> it all the way through without reading a book. Right. I mean, I don't even think I read a Goosebumps book from front to back. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I knew it had to be a God thing that all of a sudden I wanted to read and, and read heady, deep stuff. And so uh, I pursued that and stayed on that path, and it's, it's, ended, up, uh, it's ended up where it is now. Man, I had the the same, uh, a very similar experience when I was in college and uh, through an Athletes in Action uh, summer camp, God just got a hold of my life and started reading books for the first time. Like you said, uh, I used to, I was a B student. I was smart enough to, to not try and get Bs, 
But if I I couldn't get A's mm. unless I tried super duper hard, so I said, ah, screw it, I'll just get B's. And so I'll skim through books, and I never read a single book. When I first started reading books, my junior year of college, I I would fall asleep because my brain just was not used to reading. And so I'd wake up, you know, I'd get three pages right. in, fall asleep, and I'd have to like drag myself, you know, into reading that fourth page, uh, which is just so crazy. And again, the the state system that I could make it through without uh, without finishing a full book, but yeah, that, that just voracious appetite. I want to know more. It wasn't like I want to be smarter than everyone. It was like, I should know this stuff. I want to know it. So with you, right. like, how did that look? Uh, so, so you became a Christian, you start reading, and then you're right into the NFL. When Are you reading books like on the bus or what, what's going on with that? Yeah, in my, in my downtime on the bus, if we're traveling, um, you know, Saturday, if, if you're playing a game that's within, you know, a relatively close distance, Say the flight is only two or three hours. You leave the Saturday before a game. Uh, when I was in New York, we would leave the Friday night before a game if we had to play on the West Coast. So you had two nights on the road. Um, and so, yeah, flights, travel, all that stuff. I had plenty of time to read. Uh, you know, I didn't have kids at the time. And so my all time reading. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of, you know, a lot of time in the Bible. Uh, and then a lot of time with, um, you know, the Francis Chans and, uh, I'm blanking on some of the names now. Um, Were you into like like John Piper stuff or Piper yeah, stuff? Oh. Yeah. Uh, so not not you know not totally academic. It was still sort of lay level, being able to grasp some of the concepts, but more than just uh, you know your, your basic stuff. Yeah. Um, and so and, and then it just it it snowballed from there. And then it was in 2009 that somebody uh, it was like the the chaplain for the New York Jets. Hmm. Uh, uh, who's still the chaplain now, Adam Burt. He actually played 14 years in the NHL. Uh, and him and I became really close. And he gave me a book by Timothy Keller called The Reason for God. Mm. And I read that book and I was just like, wow, whatever he's doing in this book, this is what I want to be doing. Mm. So my my passion shifted from theology to apologetics at that point, right in the middle of my career. Uh, and I knew I knew after reading that book that not only was that what I wanted to do, um, what I wanted to study, but that when I got done with football, that's when I was going to go back to school to study was apologetics. And so uh, I was really lucky to have that and, and find that in the middle of my career because a lot of guys flounder when they retire from yeah. football. You know, it's hard to transition. It's hard to give up the game. And uh, and so to have that that path laid out that I knew, okay, as soon as I get done, I'm going right in, back to school to, to study this uh, was really, it was really helpful uh, transitioning out of football. But yeah, no, so it started off at sort of lay-level theology in the Bible and then morphed into apologetics. And then as I started my academic career, uh, became more and more philosophy, philosophy of religion, uh, and philosophy what I'm doing now. Dude, that's awesome. So I, I had a, a similar path uh, through the, the Francis Chans. I think, oh man, I forgot the book, the red book, something about love, uh, Francis Chan's book, yeah. Crazy Love, Crazy Love, something like that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that started with some C.S. Lewis stuff, but I instantly got into apologetics because some of my roommates uh, on the wrestling team would just, bro, why do you believe this? Why do you believe that? Well, why do you believe that? Well, why do you go to church? What, what's, what's up with that? And all these yeah. questions, I grew up in a Christian home, but I, I don't think I was actually a Christian until my junior year of college when I fully like surrendered to the Lord. And so I was like, just embarrassed too, where I'm like, I should know this stuff to be able to help these dudes or at least answer the question for myself. So I, I started in apologetics, then moved to theology seeing like oh i actually need to know the doctrines behind these things yeah. and then and then from there i thought well i need to be able to talk about uh like philosophically about these doctrines as well and so yeah. then i started moving more into into philosophy as well um but dude that's so cool that that god gave you this this next path because i can imagine you know your whole life for me it was it was wrestling for you it was football like that's you, you did it. You accomplished your dreams. You even, you played for, uh, for the jets. What wasn't that like your dream growing up? Yeah, it was, you know, it was so cool. Parker, I'm, I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Originally my family's from Brooklyn. Uh, my, my entire family's from New York, the New York area, New York city area. Um, and so I grew up a jets fan, mm. but, but I grew up in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. My dad moved us up to Cape Cod okay. when I was two or three years old. And so, I grew up in the middle of Patriots country in mm -hmm. New England, uh, in Massachusetts, uh, but being a Jets fan. And so I've been heckled for being a Jets fan my whole life. But then I had an opportunity to actually sign with them in 2007. And what an, just, it was just totally, like you said, a dream come true. 
Uh, and so not only now do I get to go back to New York where my family is there and I'm having, you know, a hundred people show up to every game to watch me play. Uh, but I'm also, you know, I, I also have the opportunity to play for the team that I grew up rooting for. And I'm, I go into the locker room and I'm, I'm in there with guys that I was, you know, that mm. I was watching at high school, you know, as a high school kid, yeah. uh, the, 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 you know, Dan Pennington, the Sean Ellis's and all, all these superstars. I'm just like, wow. You know, not only is this the NFL, but this is the team that I idolize. These are the guys that I idolize. Um, so yeah, that was, that's such an incredible, uh, so something I'm really fortunate to have had that opportunity. Not too many people get to say that. And then two years later, to have my best friend uh, from Maine, who who actually brought me to Christ, yeah. Matt Mulligan, come and play for the Jets with me, and we played there three years together. So, so have your best friend from a small mm. school come play with you on the team that you grew up rooting for. Man, uh, it just was it, you know you just see the hand of God and all of it. And so I was incredibly lucky and blessed that to have that opportunity. Yeah. Well, so what was that like for, for you two? Were, were there other like Christians on the team? Were, did you guys do like a, a Bible study? Was it, did you guys meet with the chaplain? Like, what, what did that look like to, to have you and your best friend both be Christians on the team there? Yeah, yeah. And so there are probably, on each team that I've been on uh, over my nine years, there are probably about, you know, 10 to 15 Christians uh, on a roster of maybe 63 guys. Okay. Um, so when I say 10 to 15 Christians, there are, there are a lot of guys that I think, uh, believe that God exists and would do the, you know, prayer before the game and the prayer after game. You have the majority of guys doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like you said, the Bible studies, the midweek Bible studies, um, the couple studies that were run every week. I mean, throughout the week, the the, the chaplain, normally the team chaplain will put on a bunch of different events for guys because obviously you can't get to church on Sunday. Right. And so it's important to supplement in all those things during the week. And so we'd have a couple study on Tuesday night. We'd have a Bible study at the facility on Wednesdays. And then the night before every game, Saturday night before every game, we'd have a chaplain service uh, at the hotel, whether it be at home or away. Um, and so if it's at home, our team chaplain would do it. If it was away, we would have an away chaplain come to the hotel and give us, you know, give us a sermon. Uh, and so it really was a vibrant spiritual uh, life, spiritual routine uh, which was so necessary during the NFL season because there's so many highs and so many lows. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it can just be can, – can get a hold of you, especially if you don't have a strong uh, spiritual workout going on. And so, um, so yeah, that, that was what it looked like. And so, yeah, about 10 or 15 guys and, and some really uh, incredible leaders, guys that I – you know, I've had the opportunity to, to be in chapels and, and spend time with Tim Tebow and yeah. – uh, you know, guys like that, guys who have incredible faith who you see on TV, who really live it out. Um, and I had an opportunity to fellowship and be a part of, of teams with those guys who led led the team spiritually. And so I, I learned and, and grew a lot from that as a Christian and as a, as a, as a person. Uh, and I still am really close with a lot of those guys today. I still end up uh, talking to those guys and, and fellowshipping with those guys. Uh, and so, yeah, that, that's the thing you miss the most. The thing that I miss the most with football, and it sounds kind of cheesy, but you miss you miss the locker room, you miss the guys, and I especially yeah. miss those guys uh, that I was doing my, my Christian life with. Um, it's hard to cultivate those relationships outside of uh, outside of the locker room. The guys going through the same things and dealing with the same issues, and so I missed I missed that a lot. I miss those times a lot. Um, but yeah, no, it was. But uh, you know, missing it uh, speaks to how much I loved it and how important yeah. it was. And so. Uh, uh, I'm grateful, really grateful for those times and for those guys. Yeah, man, uh, the similar thing with with wrestling. Like some of my best friends, uh, especially the dudes who are who are going to athletes in action with me, uh, confessing sins. Man, that was the first time I ever saw like a dude that I look up to that I respect um, living out the Christian life. Because you know, I grew up in uh, uh, Lombard, Illinois, which is right. We went to church in Wheaton. And uh, I had this bad idea of Christians that Christians were like Ned Flanders, right? And we're tucking in our sweater vests and we leave our sin at the door. We don't talk about that. And then I go to Athletes in Action Bible Study at uh, Northern Illinois. And these dudes are like confessing their sin. They're talking about like um, porn and and all sorts of stuff like asking for accountability. And it was crazy. It was like, oh, this is actually what Christian life is like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, We're like admitting and we're helping each other and giving each other our Facebook passwords to, to check in in our inboxes and make sure like nothing's up. And right. it, was, it was awesome. And then you get that for like a couple of years and then God just sends you out all over the country. And you're like, but, but God, let me just bring that back. He's like, no, no, that was a time for you guys to grow. And now you're going out 
and you right. got Facebook still or Twitter or whatever to keep up. Right. Um, but I'll, I'm I'm super encouraged by by what he's doing in your life because, man, you you had this dream, you accomplished it, and then I could I can imagine for a lot of people after you accomplish that dream, it's like, well, what now? You know, I don't I don't have any, and, and you have this new path to follow uh, in in philosophy, philosophy of religion. I want to I want to jump to to some of the work that you're doing in there, but first I would like to to kind of recount that uh, your your testimony there. Like, how did you become a Christian? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was it was my uh, well, it began actually my junior year in college. I had a uh, a friend that I really looked up to and admired. I mean, this guy embodied the football player. Like when you think tough football player, mm-hmm. this this was this this was my mentor, right? So this guy. Has, what position was he? He was a defensive lineman, so he played okay. the same position in Maine. Nice. Uh, he was, you know, 6'5", 310 pounds. He had the mohawk tattoo <laughs> all over him. Just like, I want to be like this guy, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and I remember um, just a tragic story. He had gotten mixed up with some wrong people, and he was shot and killed at wow. 24 years old. And so I remember going to his his funeral and, and going up to his casket at 24 years old and saying, wow. You know, it was just, it was one of the most profound experiences in my life to, to see how fast it can end, right? Uh, a 24-year-old not supposed to be in a casket, uh, especially somebody like that, who is this mighty man who I looked up to. Yeah. Um, and so that really sparked my my uh, thinking about more existential things and what happens after after death and what is this life all about. And um, and so it was really God using a, a tragic moment to... to um, turn it into something beautiful. And so I, I brought up uh, now fast forward a year later, I'm still searching and going through things and um, looking. And I talk about my best friend, Matt Mulligan, who played tight end at Maine with me. We lived together and uh, he saw that I was searching. And so he brought me to church with him and uh, uh, he had been going to church his whole life. And so he said, okay, you know, I got, I think I got what you're looking for. And he said, but look, I'm going to preface this. Mm-hmm. With, you know, I'm going to give you a little background. I, I go to a, a Pentecostal church, right? So he went to an old school Pentecostal church up here in Northern Maine. And uh, he's like, look, here's, here's how things go down. You're going to see, you know, people be speaking in tongues and they might be running around the pews and it gets a little crazy. And I'm like, I, I got to go just to see that. Like I'm <laughs> no, not, not because I'm like, not because of any other reason than that's, that's just not my idea of church. Like people right. go up and they stand in the pew and they sit in the pew and then they kneel and they like this is this is crazy. I got to see this. It sounds like a circus, and so I, I go to church with him, and 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 what do you know? It's exactly what he says. I mean, people are just going nuts and speaking in tongues, and and at the end of service, I don't know if you've ever been to one of these these churches, but yeah. you're doing all the call where everybody you basically take all the madness that's going on around the church and condense it into the front, and so the pastor's making altar call, and. I'm standing in my pew. And I'm like, I'm not going up there. This is totally insane. I, I, I just, I can't do it. Uh, and yet, they, they are not taking no for an answer, right? The elders and the leadership, and my friends, they're not. Well, taking- I can imagine you probably stuck out a little bit too. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh, they do. Yeah, they do. <laughs> Six three oh, and yeah, the three hundred and twenty pound me yeah. back just sitting there. Um, so. So yeah. So finally, I give in to the peer pressure and I go up front. And I just remember putting my head down and saying, "Lord." If you exist, just please get me out of here as fast as you can. This is just so awkward. Uh, but then I remember the 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 pastor uh, and the assistant pastor came over and they just sort of put their hands on me and started praying. And it was like, Parker, it was like a jolt of electricity through my mm-hmm. body. Right? It was like all of a sudden somebody flipped the light switch on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like, oh wow, no, this is this is right. This is this is what it is. This is real. This is where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really, it's not, I, I, I don't mean that figuratively, it was really a, a, a literal instant switch being turned on. And I was yeah. like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Um, uh, and so it was that night that I, I said, okay, yeah, Jesus, I, I submit. Like, I believe you exist. I believe this is real. I mean, it was just an overwhelming uh, experience, religious experience. Um, and that was, again, four, four months before I left to go to the NFL. Wow. Uh, and so it was uh, perfect timing again because the NFL just throws so much at you, especially being a 22 year old kid. Now yeah. you're in there with the with the big guys, um, having that foundation, even even as new as it was, right? Having that foundation, having that church network outside of uh, work, 
having uh, my best friend and, and other people to to fall back on when things are tough, and then to go into a locker room and to meet um, the Christian leadership in the locker room and learn from those guys and and sort of break down some of the uh, stereotypes that you were talking about, right? Right, like, right. The Ned Flanders. He, <laughs> In an NFL locker room, you learn that that stereotype gets thrown out the window. Yeah, and so it was really perfect timing, and uh, so yeah, so that was, uh, and then I've been on that path. Uh, sometimes better, sometimes not as good. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, so so you were saved then, uh, or, or you gave your life to Christ. Uh, there's so many different ways to say it. I know. It, it, it's careful, right? When you start studying philosophy, you're like, dude, right, how do I say this now? Like, that's so it. true. <laughs> and, and and all the denominations behind it. So there's a theology and the philosophy there too. So so whatever happened, you, you became a Christian. You gave your life to Christ. All this stuff uh, at a Pentecostal church. Did you did you continue going? Are do you are you can uh, do you consider yourself Pentecostal then or yeah, not uh, not so much anymore? I, I mean, I guess I, there are a lot of things about me that I still think there are a lot of things about the Pentecostal church that I still agree with. Right. So I don't, I think the gifts of the spirit are real. Again, I've, I've had that experience. <laughs> it's hard for me to see how that's not real. Uh-huh. Um, uh, but I've, I, I have, um, yeah, I mean, this could be a long, a long talk. Uh, obviously, you know, I'm friends with Tyler McNabb and so uh, really close with him. And so he's, you know, he's laying out the case for Catholicism and there are some things, you know, I was very, um, against the church tradition, the idea of church tradition as a sort of uh, maybe not authority, but something to um, inform my, uh, my, my Christian beliefs and help me, help me to understand what, what the church has long believed and what, what is correct and what's not correct. And so uh, I'm coming, more, I guess all that to say, I'm coming more back towards a more traditional mm-hmm. understanding of the church Versus sort of this low church. Um, and when I say low church, I don't mean bad. I just mean, uh, you know, the, the 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 less formal, the less orthodox services of a, like a non-denominational or Pentecostal uh, yeah. service. And so, yeah, obviously, a lot there. But I'm 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 sort of a free agent right now. It's still, <laughs> you know, Parker. It's, it's hard to do this stuff. Yeah, not get your beliefs challenged, right? And if it, if your things aren't if things aren't secure. Uh, they have no chance, and so yeah. there are a lot of things that I held to that I'm looking at now. And I'm thinking, I don't, I think that was wrong. You know, yeah. Within within Christianity, obviously, I don't think Christianity is wrong, but there are a lot of uh, beliefs that I held to that I don't, I, I don't think were right. And so, still yeah. changing my thought process there and trying to find a home. I'm not, I'm not a very good theologian. I, that's why I like philosophy a lot better because mm-hmm. philosophy, you could be in on something 60-40, right? You're like, ah, all right, yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> But like in theology, you can't do that. It's like you're either in or you're out. Right. So I'm I'm not as good with <laughs> theological things. No, dude, I, I definitely hear you on that, and and I definitely affirm how how tricky it is. And just being, I'm I'm a, a current student at uh, TED's Trinity uh, up here in Deerfield, Illinois, and uh, just learned like. To say I disagree with someone, I could say it to another student and because like, I've, I've read a lot and whatever, like I disagree with this. And then thinking in my head, like, oh, you know what? Like Tom McCall would destroy me if he were here right now. <laughs> and it's just like just thinking through the different yeah. positions and being like, I do believe this stuff. But I also can affirm, like, there are people way smarter than me who know the Bible way better, right. who completely disagree with me on this. Right. Oh, Parker, I've had those same experiences. I did, a, when I was at uh, Houston Baptist University, uh, I did a class with Tyler, uh, Tyler McNabb. He was, it was an independent study in epistemology. One of the first things we studied was uh, radical skepticism. And th- this was in 2016, 2017. I still can't get over the fact that we probably can't know that we're not in a brain of that. Like, I'm still like all of this going on. I'm like, you know what, but radical skepticism still, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, still, yeah. like I don't know if we can get past that. Like, I don't mm. know if we have a good answer for that. So yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I'm with you. I've had those same experiences where you're just like, you know, with the, somebody could tear up your worldview in an in instant, you know, so it's mm. humble. That's what I like about philosophy, philosophy and sports, like you, you like wrestling, football. Uh, it reminds me a lot of jujitsu, right? Yeah. It, it's a competitive, it's a competitive thing and it's, it's humbling, right? You, you, you get in, you get going, and you think you know something, and then somebody just wrecks your world. You know, yeah. it's like you're on the field, and you, you think you're good to go, and somebody just pops you out. You know, yeah. the NFL moment. I've had that so many times with 
with philosophy, and and I that's what really attracts me about it. I, I love it for that reason. Yeah, it's that same. It's maybe like a little bit of like a masochistic because it's it's yeah. like. I just keep getting beat down. And I think exactly what you said. Okay. I'm onto something, dude. And I, I picked it out. I found it in Donald Davidson. I found it in this person and I'm ready to go with it. And then one of my friends who's further along than me is like, yeah, nah, because of this, this, and this, you're like, dude, don't say that. Just, just, yeah. <laughs> can I, can I have it for a couple minutes? Right. right. A little bit before you take it away from me. Yeah. So, so, uh, okay. So you're in the, the fast forward a little bit, you're in the NFL. Um, you're, you're studying kind of the popular level theology and then going in deeper. Um, then to go to Houston Baptist, I think you studied philosophical apologetics there. Is that the, the, well, well, so, so why apologetics? I I remember you said, uh, just a couple minutes ago, you said reason for God, but were you interacting with, with skeptics and non-believers or what made apologetics so, uh, enticing for you? Yeah. So I think it goes back to what I just said. It reminded me of football, right? Apologetics you know, the, the, the word is defense, right? And so right. Uh, and that, that's what I, that's, you know, I played defense on uh, when I was playing football. And so uh, it reminded me a lot of what I was doing. It was competitive. You engaged in it. Uh, I, again, and this was, this is really the truth. Unlike theology, um, it wasn't as, uh, it, the, the conversations didn't get as heated, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, even with my non-believing friends, the conversations didn't get nearly as heated as they did when I'm debating you know, whether Arminian or, or Calvinism is, is true. You know, those right. Christians, people are ready to go to blows over that. Yeah. So it attracted me more in that in that way. Um, but yeah, but then it was, like you said, it was good to have an answer for questions, right? It was good to have, I had family members who were skeptics, guys in the locker room who might have been skeptical, um, and, and even, even not just, maybe just ethical issues, right. political issues, things like that. I mean, apologetics gives you a lot of, a lot of different tools. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was nice to have those answers, right? It was nice to be able to respond to objections and have reasons uh, behind what you believe and that, that foundation you're building more on support. Um, and so, yeah, so it started out with, um, with Timmy Keller's Reason for God, and then I went to a church conference in North Carolina. actually went down to speak to an Athletes in Action group down there. Oh, nice. Went to a church conference. And they had an apologetics um, uh, like seminar, break-off session. And the teacher at the time told us about William Lane Craig. He said, listen, if you want to learn about apologetics, you gotta, you got to come across William Lane Craig. He's like, mm-hmm. go on YouTube, Google them, just watch them, put a whooping on all these atheists. Yeah. And so I, I go on YouTube and I type them in and I'm watching him. And now this is really, this is combat, right? You watch those debates and that, that reminded me so much of football. And it was just exhilarating to watch him go out there and just smoking everybody. Yeah. And from then on out, it was like, all right, the, the, yeah, I'm in, you know, mm-hmm. everything William Lane Craig has written, even if I don't understand it, yeah. <laughs> uh, this is what I'm doing. So he became a hero of mine. Uh, and then I just, you know, tried to follow in his footsteps ever since. No, that that's fantastic. So, so uh, I came in, uh, okay. Apologetics coming in through um, Vantillion kind of camp. I know uh, Tyler had a similar thing and then going into reform theology and, uh, and then, so with, from that perspective, William and Craig, dude, no way, man. He, he talked about probability in God. No, you can't do that. And so then uh, I kind of came full circle reading more of uh, honestly, reading more of his, his uh, deeper level philosophical uh, articles and uh, treatises and like books and stuff and gave, I got a, a better appreciation for him as I started learning philosophy more. And realizing, like, I'm judging him with theology standards, which, like you said, man, you're either in or you're not. To right. say that that God probably exists is so inappropriate because we don't do that on a Sunday morning when we're singing, yeah. right? That's, that's just yeah. wrong. And then seeing the context that he's in when he's debating someone and they're talking probabilities. And so for him to say the actual probability he gave is way higher, it's, like, scary for other people to say, you know? Right. And so right. then seeing him as... uh as an example, even though I, I disagree with, with some of the stuff and it's so scary to even say I disagree with him because if he came on right now, he would just destroy, you know, eat my lunch yeah. completely. Right, right. Seeing him as this model of someone who is a philosopher, theologian and apologist, you know, and he's just the, the gold standard of it. Like there's he does such a fantastic job of it. Yeah, I mean, he, he really has changed the game. I mean, he's he has brought up, I mean, starting with Planninga and Swinburne and then Craig really kicking it through the door, especially with all the social media stuff and the right. YouTube stuff and all the, the, 
the ex- stuff that is accessible from what he's done, mm-hmm. uh, you know, via YouTube and things like that. Uh, they, he's, they, they've raised up a generation uh, of apologists and philosophers, Christian apologists, Christian philosophers, um, that I don't think ever would have been here without without right. them, you know, without him. Yeah. Uh, and so, I mean, he really has changed the game. And uh, there's so many people I come across with the same sort of testimonies, right? I mean, just like you said, you you you, you hear people's, you know, you you hear your story, you hear my story, like. Came across William Lane Craig, and oh my god, my you know everything was changed. I just like wow, mm-hmm. that's the best. And I need to dig deeper, and I need to learn more. And and so I think that that's a massive win for the for the kingdom, right? That's a massive win for the body of Christ to have more and more Christians who are intellectually uh, mature, who can who can deal with the issues, who can address the objections, who can give reasons for their faith. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an, that's incredibly powerful, and I've seen it in my own my own life, my own testimony. And again, it goes back to to planning and Swinburne and Craig and all those guys have done to sort of revitalize the the apologetics movement and, and, and really bring it to the forefront and get so many people interested in it and make it accessible to so many people. Uh, and so, yeah, so I, I I really call Dr. Craig a hero of mine. I don't use those words lightly, but he but he is. I mean, yeah. I'm just grateful for him. Yeah, that's so awesome, man. And and so for me, still disagreeing with him, to to disagree with him is not like an easy thing to do. I need to know why. Why do I disagree with him? Why, like, you know, uh, his 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 model of the Trinity, uh, Severus. It's like, I don't like that. But why do I not like that? And can I put it in a way that that I wouldn't be embarrassed if I if I met him and he asked me about right. it? Right. it? That's a huge task, you know, like yeah. really big. But it also helps me in my own theology and my own philosophy, even to to battle with him on you know, in my head or in the shower or whatever, when I'm thinking through arguments. Uh, but, but it, it's, it's so great. So he, he's a, a huge help to the kingdom, man, seriously. Yeah. No. And, 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 and that's everybody. I mean, you can, you right. can find, you can find everybody that, that they, that disagrees with your position. And so I agree with you. I mean, it's really is humbling and it's humbled me in, in everything. Right. So whether it's my political discourse, whether I'm talking philosophy, apologetics, even talking football, right. It's like, Okay, I'm, I always try to preface this because of guys like that that I, you know, maybe I disagree with. Um, I preface this with like, listen, I'm coming in humble. Like, I'm, <laughs> this is what I think, but I know, you know, I know I'm, I'm willing to change my mind. I'm open to counter ideas, right? It yeah. really is a humbling experience, you know. So the, the great parallel for me was jujitsu, right? So I retired from the NFL, and the two things I started right up were my academic career and jujitsu. I did not know that. Yeah, everybody okay. talked about the jujitsu, and I knew I was going to need something physical and competitive, something that mimicked football. And um, you can do jujitsu forever. You're not going to blow out your knees, probably. And well, that's the beauty of a two right. It's really low impact, mm-hmm. and so that's a big that's a big win because my body can only handle so much right now uh, with all the beating it's taken from football. And so you know, I re- I go and jump on, go to one of the local MMA clubs and get in with those guys. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing jujitsu. I'm, and now I'm 320 pounds. I mean, I just retired. So I'm a big, big guy, NFL lineman. Yeah. And I have guys that are 100, you know, 198 pounds and they're beating the tar out of me, like, <laughs> me down, tapping me out. Damn. I mean, just, just incredibly humbling. Uh, and, and so, geez, Parker, it's been five years now and I still, I still stink. I still get killed on the back all the time. Uh, and it was the same thing with philosophy, right? You, same thing with, all, with, with my academic career. It's like I had all these hard, strong positions, and you read some William Lane Craig books, and you think you know what you're talking about, and then you get smoked from people on the same team, right? Not yeah. even people on on your team. <laughs> you are, you know. So yeah. I love that. I, I th- I'm like you. I think you. I think you said this earlier. It's like uh, I, I like being humbled. I like. I like. Um, uh, that masochistic, like, yeah, give it to me, beat me down. Like, yes. uh, 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 I want to get better. You, you know, and sports teaches you that, right? You know, the more you get beat down, the harder it is, the harder you make practice, the harder you make training, the easier the game is going to be. Yeah. Uh, so bring it, you know, let's bring yeah. it let's get better. And so uh, I'm with you. I, I like that. Well, dude, so that was a huge uh, uh, game changer for me in college, actually. So when I, when I gave my life to Christ and realized, like, 
everything I do is for him. He made me all the, all the breath in my lungs, everything. But that also means he made me to wrestle at some level. Like I'd wrestled D1. Like that, that means that my body is main, meant to do this at some level. I wasn't the best or anything. But then doing that let me have this freedom to actually, before it was ego. I wanted to be the biggest, strongest, toughest dude. I wanted every girl just to be drooling over me. I wanted right. to be like this Adonis. And then just giving that up and be like, do whatever God wants. If that means, you know, and I ended up losing my starting position my senior year to a sophomore who was just smoked me in front of it. He teched me. That's uh, you win by 15 in front of all of my friends and family. Mm. <laughs> and it was terrible. But yeah. for me, it was like, all right, man, that's what God wants. That's what's up. Like I, I didn't sandbag or anything, but that was my favorite year of wrestling because I didn't have this ego and I would get taken down in practice. And I was just laughing. Cause I'm like, all right, there's another chance to get better, right. you know? And then the same thing with, God moving me then into apologetics and philosophy. It wasn't an ego thing. Thank God, man. Cause it could have totally been, right. uh, if someone's pointing something out to me, I get excited about it. Cause I'm like, okay, let's see now. Right. That's, that's one more thing. I don't have to be as wrong about if I can work through this. Oh and yeah. It totally gives you that freedom, right? That, that, yeah. that recognition. And it, again, it's cliche, but it's so true. Like you're, you're, you're performing for an audience of one yeah. So whether it be on the mats, on the field with philosophy, with jujitsu, whatever it is. Um, I'm I'm putting it all in. I'm working my tail off. I'm giving it everything I got for for one because I know he's given me the time here to do it. Mm-hmm. He's brought me this far to do it, uh, and so I want to do it the best for him. Yeah. Uh, it's not always it's not always you know I say that it's not always easy, right? I mean, <laughs> you know, performing at the highest level it can be tough. Um, but right, but it but it allows you that freedom to just let it rip. Just let it rip. Get after it. And if things don't you know if things don't turn out well, I, I had the same. Um, sort of thing happened my my last year in the NFL. I, I lost my starting job to a younger younger player who was just a lot better, and I knew it was coming. I mean, he was just so good, and I was you know I was not that good, uh, and I knew he was going to take my job. And but yet still, I had the I had the most fun that year. My last year. I mean, if you look at that picture you have in the background, that's me dancing after a sack. Like prior to this this year, I never would have danced after uh. a sack. It allowed me time to to take a step back, to be humbled, right? I was eight years the starter. Now I'm no longer the starter, right? I have to play the bench. And so when I got out there, I was like, all right, you know, this is where God has me. I'm going to go out here and have fun when I have the opportunity. Yeah. And so I went out there and all the plays, I'm, I'm you know, dancing and, and running around. And, and so, yeah, and so there are a lot of guys that, I, that I've seen that haven't had that foundation, that haven't had that um, freedom in Christ. And it's been, you know, it's been career ending, right? They, they can't bounce back. They can't bounce back from the loss. Uh, because whatever it is, that that has become sort of their idol, their their god. Or once their god is gone, or is injured, or isn't where it was, uh, it's hard for them to bounce back. Especially guys who retire, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you got to look at the the divorce rates and the rates of people going uh, bankrupt. Uh, former players. I mean, mm-hmm. after three years, it's it's, it's a crazy high number. Seventy eighty percent of players are broken, divorced within three years of retiring from the NFL. Yeah. And it really is because they don't have that freedom. They don't have that rock. They don't have that um, uh, th- their identity is is over. And I and I can speak firsthand because I know how tough it is. Because I you know I paid it lip service, but then when I got done with football, I realized man, football was much more my identity than I thought, and Christ was not as much of my identity as I, as I originally thought. And so uh, so yeah, that, so all that to say, you're you're totally right, and and. Uh, that freedom in Christ makes for a, an incredibly joyful life. Yeah. Amen, man. Okay. So, so uh, you, you go to Houston Baptist, you're studying apologetics. Did you go and get a, a, a master's in philosophy or did you jump right to, to a PhD? I, so yes, yeah, so I went, I got my master's in apologetics from Houston Baptist. And then I went and got my master's in philosophy from uh, the university of Edinburgh. Okay. Was that did, online or did you? Yeah. Did you go yeah, out there? All, yeah all of this was uh, distance programs, which was okay. Was fantastic. I mean, just thank God for the internet, right? Because with the yeah. little with the kids and everything, there was no way I was going to be able to pick up and, and move. And I'm in northern Maine, right? I mean, there isn't a, there isn't many options for schools up here. Um, so yeah, so I did did all that online, and then I just started my PhD program at the University of Birmingham this fall. Um, and so the, the two programs really really got me ready. I, I wasn't ready after Houston Baptist, especially not having. Any background, you know, I I, mm. I went to, uh, I got my my undergrad in accounting, and I hadn't been to school for ten years, 
And so I wasn't ready as, as well as Houston Baptist prepared me. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't ready to go for a PhD yet. So I was, it was great to be able to go to Edinburgh, get that second master's, refine sort of the tools, you know, get more practice, get on the mats more, right. um, grow my ideas out there against the people who disagreed, right? Yeah. So now I'm on the, up the discussion boards and, and dealing with, with uh, other students who, who don't agree with me, whereas at Houston Baptist, everybody's pretty much on the same team. Uh, and so that refined, you know, my, my talents allowed me to uh, learn how to respond to objections better. And so those, those you know, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for my time at Houston Baptist and my time at Edinburgh. I mean, they, I met some incredible scholars, obviously one of my best friends, Tyler McNabb, who has been a mentor to me ever since. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, great, great teachers, great professors, and a lot of great students and friends. And so uh, I really enjoyed those those four years doing my my uh, graduate programs. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I'm, so I'm working on two degrees here at TEDS, and then Lord willing, I'll be going on to a master's in philosophy, and then uh, following following in uh, in your footsteps there, going to uh, PhD. So your your work, you're, you're just starting your program, or you just started your program, and I think you said you're going to be working on uh, f- like foreknowledge, God's yeah. foreknowledge, and, and and free will. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, the problem of divine foreknowledge and human freedom, and what a hu- talk about humbling. You yeah. look at literature. I mean, you, I know you know it, but um, I wish I could turn this 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 thing around so you could see all the papers I've been. I mean, it's just the literature on this issue. How much has been devoted uh, by incredible? I mean, you're talking Kevin Timpey and Patrick Todd and John Martin Fisher and Dirk. Yeah. Kerr. I mean, you're talking about all stars that have devoted so much time uh, to trying to resolve this issue or uh, providing, you know, thought on this issue. Um, it's just, it can be overwhelming at times. I'm like, wow, I can't, uh, when, how, when am I ever going to bring to the table? With this? Well, you're going to put the final nail in the coffin there. Aren't you going to say Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly, yeah, I hope so. We'll see, that's, that's the goal, right? But yeah. we'll see, because with the difference, um, what I've noticed with, I had much more talent with football. Hmm. Uh, I don't have I don't have that much talent with with academic uh, my academic career. I, I'm not at, I don't have as much natural ability. Hmm. Uh, I'm not I'm just like I'm just not a very I'm not naturally a smart person. So we're gonna we're gonna see uh, if hard work can close the gap. And and now everything in my life has shown me that hard work can close the gap. Yeah. Right? So, if I can't figure out something, if I have to get up at two thirty in the morning to do it to figure it out, if that's the amount of time I need, then let's do it. Let's Dude, it, it gets me so fired up. I love that. It's like let's go, and I yeah. love it. it just, I know you're wired the same way, right? It's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Yeah, let's get after it. Let's see. If we I'm can. just gonna do it, like with the Lord's help for sure. But like, yeah, if it if it if I have to get up, if I have to set an alarm, if I have to put my phone away in two hours, I have to read this paper and read it again because I don't get it. It's going to happen. I'm gonna do it. Yeah, I love it, Parker. That, that, that's that's exactly right, and and that. That's what makes it fun, right? That I don't want to go. Like I know I, I heard a, uh, somebody say this once. And I think it I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, they said if you know you're winning, if you are mad, you have to go to bed at night because you yeah. just want to be doing what you what you know the work that you're doing. And that's how I feel. Like I'm disappointed when I have to go to sleep yeah. uh, because I just want to be doing. You know, I just want to be studying and working on my PhD and, and learning about. Uh, you know, the foreknowledge and freedom problem and all the different things that come along with that. Yeah. Uh, and so I go to bed and like, all right, just I'm set the alarm and let's go to bed quick. It's like Christmas morning every morning because I can't wait to get up and work. Uh, awesome, dude. I, I, I know that feeling well. I've actually had to like confess that to the Lord and try to work on that and like recognize my creatureliness that I need to go to sleep because I would just drink coffee and be like, mm, I'll go to bed at three and yeah. wake up at six or whatever. Yeah. And like that's not healthy, but but exactly what you're saying, where it's like I just want to work on this stuff. I want to figure it out. Not yeah. again. Not be, I just want to know. I just want to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. And you know, I, I feel like God's really put that there, right? I mean, right. God's put that drive there. And uh, geez, I, I know that for me. I know I never would be here if this wasn't God. What God had called me to. I, ne- I this is so far off anything I ever would have been interested in. So, <laughs> I really believe that this is God, you know, taking me in this direction. And, yeah. and that's what gives you that joy and it gives you that passion, right? You know, okay, God's brought me here. Let's let's go. Let's get it, you know? Well, dude, I think it's so funny to think back, like, think of, like, Mike DeVito, 
15 years ago or 10 years ago and be like, hey, who is your, maybe not 10, maybe it's a little bit, we need to go longer, but who's your hero? Who do you look up to? And it would not be William Lane Craig. It would not be Dirk Paraboom. You wouldn't even know these guys. And now it's like, those are the ones, at least for me, like meeting some of those guys in person, like meeting William Lane Craig would be pretty wild. It's like, oh, dude, hey, I've read your, this is crazy. Let's, let's chop it up right now. And like meeting an athlete's pretty cool. It's like, sweet, dude. Yeah, you're you're a great player. This is great. But I want to watch you play. I don't want to talk to you as much. Like, I want to freak. I just want everything that you have. Put that in here for me. I've had the opportunity to be around really cool people, right? Like, especially when I was with the Jets, Mm -hmm. you know, there's always uh, celebrities at the practice facilities. You're going out to dinners and doing different um, events with celebrities and sports stars and you know, you got the Yankees coming over. You got all, all these people. And it is, it's cool, right? You're like, oh, I saw that guy in that movie, right? You, you, you know, I saw that person in this movie or this commercial or watched the, this guy play basketball. And But I've never been starstruck. Like, I've been starstruck when I met William Lane Craig, mm-hmm. you know, or, uh, the, you know, Eric Wielenberg, or you meet these philosophers and you're just like, wow, I can't, can't believe this, you know. And I'm grateful for that, right? Those are the kind of people you want to emulate and look up to and right. try to be like, you know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, I'm I'm totally I'm I'm riding with you. I totally agree. That's so funny. I so I saw uh, Paul Gould was sitting over by the the lagoon over here on campus last year, and I was just like, "That's Paul Gould," and I just like ran up to him, like, "Excuse me, are you are you Paul Gould?" And like now we're friends, and we text each other. And he sends me gifts all the time. Right. Like, that's someone that I emulate like uh, on a personal level because he's a f- awesome father and everything. But then as a philosopher too, it's like, dude, I I love this guy. I love the way he works. Right. And yeah, just God has totally changed my my desires and my heroes. And it's so funny. It's so cool. I can't go to a PS meeting or an AR meeting without like just totally drooling, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah right, right. So, so, dude, why, why, I'm, I'm sure you, I mean, you did know going in how, how big a field this is, how much work has been done. What, what, I know that something had to make you do that. Like there was some kind of question in your head that made you want to work on freedom and foreknowledge. Like, what, what was that? I don't know. I don't want to scoop you if you have like a special take on it or anything like that, but why, why yeah. go into that topic? Yeah, I had, so Tyler, uh, my mentor, Tyler McNabb, um, he, he recommended it. We, mm-hmm. we kind of were chopping it up and came up with an idea and he, well, he came up with an idea and he said, bro, you need to pursue this and you need to do this for your, your PhD thesis uh, dissertation. And and I, you know, I'm like Tyler. I mean, Tyler sort of trained me up, so I was I'm much more comfortable with epistemology, mm. right? I'm less I'm less comfortable with with you know more metaphysical issues like this. Um, and so this is certainly a challenge, right? This has certainly been a challenge, but uh, I'm getting better at. It. And the more and more I study it, the more I'm enjoying it. And the more I'm getting better at metaphysics. It reminded me. So when I first got in the NFL. I love to play out of a right-handed stance. I didn't have to be on the right side of the ball because you had to switch hands, a left-hand stance, and I wasn't as comfortable with that. And my first couple of years, the defense we played in allowed me to just stay on the left side of the ball, so I could put my right hand down. When Rex Ryan came to New York, the head coach came to New York in 2009, he switched the defense. And so now I had to play with my left hand. And it took some time, but I got better and better and better at it, and then I became incredibly comfortable in a left-handed stance. Uh, and that actually became an asset because, you know, I could play both sides of the football. Um, and so it's like it reminds me a lot to use <laughs> football analogy. It reminds me a lot of that where it's like I became really comfortable with epistemology. And now the more and more I study metaphysics, the more I'm like, oh, yeah, this is I'm getting it. I'm getting it. But, you know, it takes that fight and that grind. But it's it's so rewarding. The more and more I pick up it, like there's nothing better when I pick up a you know, a news article written by Patrick Todd and I read it five times and then finally I get it, right? I get to the end of fifth time, like, all right, I, I get it. You know, it's taken me two months, but I've figured this out. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so I'm enjoying it. And it, it really is, like we've said, it's, it's there's so much literature, it's such a deep problem. The, the thing that's unique about this problem or, or somewhat unique, at least I haven't come across too many issues like this in philosophy, is the number of sort of philosophical disciplines that are implicated in the problem. Yeah. Right? It's really at the middle of the web there. Yeah. You got like semantics and logic and uh, time, right? You got metaphysics of time, you got right. divine attributes, you got the foreknowledge and, and free will or uh, the free will and determinism 
that that long debate is implicated in it. And so, uh, I mean, it seems like there's so many angles that to come up with a, a comprehensive solution, there's so many things you have to touch and be, com- you know, be uh, competent in and, and have an account of when you're formulating these solutions. Uh, and so that that's also fun because I know, hey, when I get done with this, you know, I, I'm praying and I'm working hard and the, the plan, the goal is to succeed. But let's say I fall short. I will become a better philosopher <laughs> regardless because this says there's I'm, I'm learning so many different, you know, philosophical things, so many different mm-hmm. philosophical issues because it's just the nature of the problem. Uh, and so it's a win right there. It's a win, it's a win just to, just to have to, to be dealing with an issue where so much is involved that you, you have to become competent in so many different areas. And that's, yeah, again, that's going to make me a better philosopher. Yeah. Well, so dude, you, you were moving over, you moved over to philosophy because you didn't want to have to deal with the, the absolutism of uh, theology. And, and now you're right back to it though. Like you're going to have to talk about the nature of God and God's, you know, freedom and for his freedom, our freedom in light of that. So you're, you're right back. Yeah. circle. Is this a philosophy of religion degree or is this a straight philosophy degree that's focusing on this problem? Yeah, it, it, it would be just a, I think it's just a PhD in philosophy, right? But it, it would be special. So I guess when I put down sort of my area of specialization, it'd be philosophy of religion. That's sweet. I um, think that's probably the best way to do it. That That's really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and my uh, uh, my two supervisors, Nick Effingham and UC Sukinen, they're, uh, they're studs too. I mean, they, they just bring so much to the table. It's so humbling to sit down and do my meetings with them and they're they're co-supervising the project, hmm. and just get their their expertise and their eyes on it. And, and, and uh, again, it's like being in college, and you you finally get up to the pros, and now you're watching the pros practice, and you're watching the pros play, and you're on the same field, right? And you're yeah. learning, and very similar, right? I'm engaging with uh, you know JC Beal, and I, I get to meet with him and talk with him about things, and he I mean, he's one of the smartest guys I've ever met. I mean, just <laughs> watching him. Uh, work is incredible. Uh, uh, and, and Nick and UC and those guys, obviously Tyler. Um, and so everybody I've been reaching out to, Jamie Collin, so many, so many great philosophers that I've been reaching out to for help that I get to watch uh, work now, not just, you know, read and, and read papers, but actually watch them, uh, watch them get after it is really, uh, uh, really a lot of fun. That's, that's so sweet. And it's kind of, to, to go back to the football analogy, it's like going to the coach and you have your own little playbook and you're like, well, what about, would this one work? And they're like, well, no, that, what are you doing? And the other one's like, oh, that's pretty good. And then when you get that recognition, you're like, yes, I, the coach said it was okay. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. They're like, come here, Brooke. Let me, let me show you what you're, you're doing wrong here. You know, yeah. it's always so humbling when I've written a paper or I'm, I'm writing a rough draft and I, I have to send it to, to one of them to look at to sort of give me feedback. And I'm just like, oh, I'm so sorry. You have to read like graduate <laughs> philosophy right now. <laughs> you know, these guys are operating at such a high level, and then they have to take so many steps down mm-hmm. to read my book. You know, I feel yeah. bad. Well, like, so, yeah, it, you know, yeah, totally, totally. What is the what's the the goal, man? So I think you're probably. I mean, we're we're pretty similar. Where it's like I would take I would learn this stuff just to learn it because I want to know it. But is yeah. there a, is there an end goal? Like, do you, do you want to teach? Would you like to be a philosophy professor? Or yeah, you know, I it's hard. I I love to teach. I've had the opportunity to teach before, both at the high school level, and I've actually my friend up here at the college, a philosopher uh, at the college up here at the University of Maine, allowed me to come in and, and do a guest lecture with his class. And I've had an opportunity to go there a couple times and do guest lectures. I love teaching. I absolutely love it. It's so much fun. Uh, I enjoy talking about these ideas with students, and I wish somebody would have told me about philosophy when I was an undergrad. Right, you know, I'm like, for philosophy, up, you know, on, on the college level. Right. My thing is, right now, I would not get into teaching just because I, I couldn't justify it. I, when you look at the philosophy, um, the number of positions that are out there for philosophers, right? and this is assuming I would ever be good enough to get a teaching position. Yeah. Assuming that's the case, obviously, that's a long shot. Uh, I, I couldn't justify taking one. Hmm. Uh, I've been so blessed with football to be able to, to um, uh, you know, to, to have the financial uh, security to just kind of, you know, um, uh, you know, do school and do those things and not feel pressured to have to 
to work or anything like that. Uh, you know, I, I just couldn't justify take, taking a job from someone mm. uh, just to just to do it. And so, uh, so yeah. So the goal right now is just to be a, a great philosopher. That, that's yeah. you know, be the best philosopher that I can be, and then um, uh, and then you know, however long that takes when I when I finish up my degree. Uh, if if the market opens up and there there are good positions and I'm good enough to get one, then so be it. But uh, no pressure there. There's no no pressure to get that. Uh, really, just again, just to, I, my, my goal is to be respected by other philosophers. Hmm. Of other philosophers to say, you know what, Devito brings something to the table. Like his yeah, work, man. you know, his work brings uh, has has brought value to the discipline. Yeah, uh, to be respected by by other philosophers. That's that's sort of the goal right now. Yeah, be recognized as as a fellow philosopher. Yeah, that's, right. that's sweet too, because then you get to do some work without being beholden to uh, to to your colleagues or worried about what they're going to say. Worried about a tenure track. That right. that sounds like a pretty sweet place to to be, actually. Uh, I I can't help but say that. Can I see your tattoo on your on your right arm? There is that is that is that planning on? Yeah. So, <laughs> this, uh, this is my favorite my favorite argument from the philosophy of religion. I. The more I study, the more I realize how much planning has done. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing when you see the sort of the paradigm shifting work he's done in basically everything, right? Modal logic, epistemology, on top. I mean, just he's just changed the game in so many areas. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this is the first premise of his evolutionary argument against naturalism. Yeah. It's so good. It's so I, awesome. I had to get it. I, I love it. that, man. Yeah, yeah, dude, God made us pretty similar here in some way. So I have, uh, I have my favorite argument. It's, it's, it's Van Til's argument that I think, therefore I am, and so it's I think therefore Ehye. So if yeah. I'm able, you know, my thought presupposes the existence of God or presupposes God's rationality. Yeah. That's that's so funny. We're wired the same way, Barton. Yeah. It's like, and I'm not done, right? I'm looking right. through the books, like, all right, what other arguments are awesome? Like, I'm gonna get yeah, them. yeah, yeah. That's so funny. I, I think for for Christmas, uh, I'm gonna get a. Uh, I might get like Wittgenstein's uh, rabbit, a duck rabbit on my hand. Yeah. I got all these symbols and stuff. Yeah, that's so, so good. So I'm gonna get. I, I have a lined up, uh, but the next tattoo is. So I have this one. Uh, that's it says. I don't know if you can see. It says Tole Leche. Yeah. Um, good read. Is that yeah, the good read? And then I'm gonna get. I love Camus, and so I'm gonna get that. That poster right there, the Sisyphus poster. Oh, sweet, dude. Get that. Uh, you like, are Sisyphus. That's fantastic. I love, man. I relate so much to that that story. And so I was like, oh, I've got to get that one. So, I can't imagine Tyler being okay with that, though, with him being such an analytic snob. Oh, with the uh, with the continental stuff? Yeah. Cool with tattoos. But yeah, no, he's not <laughs> on me for reading Camus. <laughs> and it happens stuff I don't understand, right? You like you read Sorry, you read Camus, and you're like, Man, I don't really know what they're saying, but I just know it's awesome. There's you know? probably something there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so great. It's so above me, but it's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, dude, thanks, thanks so much for this time, and I'd love to do it again and, and chop it up with you. Talk more on on as you're uh, reading through some more uh, freedom and foreknowledge stuff. That'd be fantastic. Talk yeah. more. I just, I love your perspective, especially since it's so similar to mine, man. Yeah, man, this has been great. I, I really appreciate you having me on. I, I love your uh what you're doing your show i mean i, I was kind of nervous because i'm thinking boy i hope he doesn't ask me too many technical questions because i'm gonna look like an idiot in front of everybody you know you've had all the big wigs on here so no you crushed it man you you got the tattoo on your arm that, those goals yeah. <laughs> but uh but yeah no let's do it again and hopefully I, I got some of these uh essays uh in the works under review and so once i get some of these published maybe we can come out and talk oh, about dude. Yes, getting the, getting the weeds a little bit more. That would be so fantastic. Yeah, I would love that. And and that's one of my goals here is just there's so many smart Christian dudes out there. And not even like it doesn't all have to be Christian. I have non-Christians on, but yeah. so many smart people that are experts. I think everyone's probably an expert in something. We spend so much of our time doing stuff. Right. Like, people who are experts in stuff that we just need to get out there. Let's just think about this. Like, right. I love you, you did all this work and let's talk. So actually, I wanted to plug your um your YouTube channel before we go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can you can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing over there? Yeah, so we're trying. We're trying to keep up with you. You've, you've been done. You've done an incredible job. But Tyler and I started a um, podcast. YouTube type is really on YouTube now. We got to get it on Apple. But um, uh, it's called Further in Christendom, and the idea is basically to do what you're doing, right? To interview um, really bright, really smart Christian philosophers 
and we've had the opportunity to have some really cool guests on. Uh, and uh, the, the the premise, the thing we're going for, and sort of maybe the nuance of what we're trying to bring to the table is, we said, you know what, let's not dumb it down at all. Like, not not dumb it down. I don't mean to say it like that, but let's let's not work into the issues. Like, let's yeah. just jump in. Let's get to the front lines of what's going on. And let's just start talking. And so what you'll notice is because of that, Tyler does most of the talking. Outro, <laughs> <laughs> and that's about it. Uh, uh, but yeah, but the, the the stuff is really really high level, um, and we try we try to keep it we try to keep it high level. We you know not not many uh, definitions or, mm-hmm. or work into topics. It's like all right, let's jump in the deep end right away. Yeah. Uh, and so it's been fun. And so what I've loved about it is we've had good great viewership, uh, especially for a new new podcast. But the thing I really like about it is I go back and listen to them. Yeah. Right? I go back. Well, wait, what? What did you know? What did what did Jerry Walls say here? You know, uh, and so I'll go back and, and listen and, and get. I've gotten a ton out of it, uh, and so it really has helped me grow. So not only are we getting to put a good product out there, I think, uh, but it's something that even if one person listened to it, you know, it'll be me because I really enjoy <laughs> listening to the conversation. That, that's hilarious. So. Dude, I do the exact yeah. same thing. Last night, I was listening to my conversation with Guillaume Bignon because I, I'm writing a paper uh, or my master's thesis, and I actually needed what he said. You know, I, I needed it. So yeah. listening back to it, it's so funny. And sometimes my wife will catch me, and she's like, oh, yeah, you listen to something something good there? And it's like, uh, yeah, <laughs> like, sorry. I, I record it for myself mostly. I'm my main audience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the host is a really good-looking guy. You won't believe it. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. Well, dude, thanks again. Uh, I'll, I'll put a link when when this comes out. I'll put a link to uh, Furthering Christendom. I suggest all all everyone listening to this. You guys are gonna like their stuff too. It's so fantastic, um, dude. I would love if if we ever can get together. If this COVID thing ever ends, I would love to roll with you sometime. That'd be fantastic, man. Oh, that would be great. You would kick my butt, part. I don't know. I've been at it. Whoops, brother. I, I feel, <laughs> give you some. Get you some comp, especially if you've had some off days. Let me go beat up the NFL guy. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. Well, uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks thanks for coming. It's been fantastic. So uh, we could talk about this more, and uh, Lord willing, we're going to someday soon. But uh, for now, it's going to have to do it. This has been Parker's Pensies, and as always, all glory.